we did a survey of 149 entrepreneurs and we asked them one single question. We said, what is your number one greatest frustration or roadblock in getting a great assistant? And, you know, Chris, I thought there was going to be dozens and dozens of reasons, but incredibly, uh, number one far and away was, uh, I don't know how to trust an assistant and I don't know how to let go of control. That was the number one reason. We stand today. The business method with a shadow. The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, where we examine the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. Our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There is a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses, and we wanted to get behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build a business like this. We've had some incredible guests like Bobby Edwards, the founder of Squatty Potty, who built a $35 million per year company with just 17 employees, and JP Sears, the YouTube superstar whose videos are going viral all over the internet. I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and we hope you enjoy the show. The Business Method. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We want to remind you this is a second part of a two-part interview with Tim Francis. The first was published yesterday, so be sure to check that out if if you haven't yet. Tim is the founder of greatassistant.com and he dives into his story about how he has reached his success because he has amazing assistants. It's an incredible episode, you guys, and without further ado, let's jump back into the interview. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. It was shocking when you told me uh, how many CEOs actually don't have an assistant. And I'm curious if you found out why the majority of CEOs don't. Is it stubbornness, you know, lack of surrendering or letting go of control? What do you think? So two years ago in the fall, we did a survey of 149 entrepreneurs and we asked them one single question. We said, what is your number one greatest frustration or roadblock in getting a great assistant? And, you know, Chris, I thought there was going to be dozens and dozens of reasons, but incredibly 98.7% came back with one or many of these six issues. Uh, number one, far and away was, I don't want to have to, uh, I don't know how to trust an assistant and I don't know how to let go of control. That was the number one reason. Mm-hmm. Then number two through six had, you know, similar weightings, if you will. And it was like, I don't know how to make an assistant profitable. I don't know uh, where to find an assistant. Um, I don't want to have to take the time to train them. I don't want to have to take the time to manage them. Um, And I'm not recalling if I already said this, but I don't know what to delegate first. Um, If I've repeated myself, maybe I said it in the wrong order. But I think the key here is that control and trust. And the, the, the crazy thing is, in my mind, when I look at my own path, is I felt the same way. Like, no one can do this as well as I can. And then also, I don't have to fix their mistakes. What a waste of time. Why would I spend an hour training someone on doing something when I could just do it myself in 30 minutes? Like that's, that was all the verbiage going on in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I realized the idea of opportunity cost. So Tim Ferriss has a great expression. He says, 
you know, to do the big things really well, we have to be okay with the small things not going well sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think there's such a, there's such truth to that. If I want a hundred percent perfection or if I don't have to deal with any kind of rework ever, then I can do everything myself. But what am I missing out on? I'm missing out on the time, the energy, the headspace, like even just the mental RAM to go focus on the next big thing in my business, be that an exciting new client, an exciting new product, or maybe an exciting second business altogether. And I think the more that I got connected to that idea of what am I missing out on by being so white knuckled and gripping of every little detail in my business, as soon as I let go of that control, the world opened up for me. And with this, there's no point that this was more true for me than when I handed over my email inbox to my assistant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so it's now been, I think three or four years or something today, even though we get, you know, hundreds and hundreds of emails a week, I, I probably write maybe 15 to 20 emails a week. That's it. Like that's it. She handles 99% of my email inbox. And I wanted to know if my method was good or if it was just that Sarah was some kind of like supernatural, um, (laughs) you know, anomaly or something. I mean, she is a supernatural human being. There's no doubt about that. She's a great assistant. Um, My assistant now has an assistant. Her name's Courtney. And guess what? Now Courtney's taken over my email inbox. And just to really make sure that we knew how to make this work, we had Jennifer, our training manager, follow our method and she was able to take over my email inbox too. So at this point, my email inbox is kind of the town bicycle. Everyone's taking a ride on it. And um, we've proven our method kind of again and again and again um, within our team. And then obviously with the entrepreneurs that we've helped as well. Can you share more about that method, like the training method of teaching your assistant how to handle these things? Um, Well, how much do you want me to go into it? (laughs) It's like probably a two-hour training. (laughs) Well, (laughs) give us us the two-minute uh, two to three minute, um, rough, uh, summary. Okay. Okay. If possible. So yeah, I'll get I'll give you what I can in two <laughs> minutes. So, you know, in essence, I mean, I've tried all the inbox zero tricks of using different software and games and on and on and on. And at the end of the day, we need, we need a human being who can get in there and make some decisions on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And the real bottleneck here is decisions. So there's a few steps we go through. The first is before handing off an inbox to an assistant is to actually use like a mass unsubscription service. Um, what I use is unroll.me and that removed a ton of the bulk coming in. It's really extraordinary how many subscriptions we have to email newsletters and then yeah. actually notifications. Like notifications have become a huge thing in the last five years, whether that's from Slack or Amazon they're just coming in nonstop. So if we can just remove that clutter, like there's no need to have somebody you're paying to go do the same silliness that you're currently doing. So let's remove a lot of the silliness first. And then after that, the next step is to, um, in your inbox is to create a, a, a label, um, called exclamation point, Chris review and exclamation point so that it shows up at the top of the left sidebar. And, that is your new inbox inside of an inbox, if you will. The main inbox, that's now your assistance to take care of. So then the next step is to create um, some filters. Um, I learned this the hard way when I missed a, an important Thanksgiving invitation from my family. 
um, and they got upset when they had to deal with my assistant. I don't blame them. <laughs> so uh, I learned the hard way that I needed to filter all the email addresses from my closest family members. Um, if there's any like super sensitive doctor or lawyer type stuff, I also added that where it's like categorically from this person, you know, lawyer at lawyer.com. Um, that is going to skip the inbox and let's go straight into my label. Okay. Now it's tempting to say, well, my most important clients, they need to also just skip the inbox and come straight to me. And I mean, like I've got clients paying me thousands of dollars, you know, just to answer a few tough questions and like, I don't want things to screw up for them. So my first knee jerk reaction is like, well, yes, you know, there's a VIP red rope list of people that skip the inbox and they get access directly to me too. But here's the thing. Here's the thing is that like only 20% of the communication that I have, even with my highest level clients, require my attention. If a high level client says, hey, can you have a meeting with me? That doesn't require me to figure that out. Right. That's my assistant. If if my high level client says, hey, can you resend an invoice? We need, we're doing our taxes and we lost our last invoice from you. That doesn't require me, right? So it's like, you know, or like, hey, here's the financials. We need Tim to review prior to our next meeting. Can you please make sure they get to him? that doesn't require me again. Right. So, so I discovered that I was thinking about it wrong, that by actually having my assistant take a first cut at everything, my clients actually get a better experience because my assistant is faster at answering emails than I am. Yeah. And so, so that, that's what, that's what inspired me to invent uh, what I, what I call the magic intro. And the magic intro is when your assistant writes back on your behalf. I'm not a fan of impersonation. Like if my assistant is writing on my behalf, it says from Sarah, it doesn't say from Tim, because mm -hmm. I don't want to be in an awkward situation at a dinner party where someone's like, Tim, I really appreciate you getting back to me so quickly. That email you sent was very helpful. And I'm like, I have no idea what that was, <laughs> right? right? So like we're all real human beings at the end of the day. So, um, so the magic intro, when Sarah's writing on my behalf or when Courtney's writing on my behalf, they'll say, hey, Chris, comma, new paragraph. This is Sarah, one of Tim's assistants. I thought you'd appreciate the speediest possible reply, comma, and I got back, uh, and I got your email before Tim could get to it, comma, um, so here's what you need, right? Or some variation of that. And it, it communicates to the receiver, first of all, that we're here to help the fastest, most efficient way possible. Right. This isn't like you're getting sloughed off to the second rate inbox. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. This is about you getting the fastest possible service from us. That's why Sarah's replying instead of Tim. And then Sarah will get into whatever the issue is. And if something legitimately does require my attention, she'll say so. Right. So she'll say, you know, hey, Chris, this is, you know, the magic intro. And then she'll say, um, yes, Tim is confirmed to be on your podcast. Um, I've checked his calendar. All the details are there. We've, we've got all the contact information. We're ready to go. And then guess what? You now have peace of mind as the recipient. I didn't have to pick it up. I can just look at my calendar the day before and have all the information that I need. Super smooth. I don't have to deal with the inbox. So the one leap of faith in all of this, there is a leap of faith. The one leap of faith in all this is that your assistant will not click on that tab that is exclamation point Chris <laughs> review. And, and if you don't trust your assistant on that yet, then I simply, you know, I, I would ask, is your assistant a good, a great assistant if you don't trust them? 
Um, and if you, you know, if you do trust them, but they're just newer to you, then that's okay. Just wait a couple months. You know, you can get around to the email inbox in month two, month three of working together. And, and ultimately once all of this is set up, I want to spend, uh, two to three hours, five, six days in a row doing a screen share with my assistant with zoom or Skype or something. And we're going to look at my inbox together. We're both going to log in to the root email inbox and we're going to look, I'm going to say, this is how I'd handle this. This is how I'd handle that. This is that. And I just like literally one by one by one, we're going through emails. And what's happening is your assistant is starting to map in their brains the way that you make decisions. Hmm. And you'll be amazed with it by the fourth or fifth day, if you've done a good job that, if you've done a good job training them and you've done a good job getting a great assistant, that you will, you'll be astounded that they can start working now on your behalf. And I, I look back I wish I would have done it sooner. It, it was terrifying to me, Chris. Like my <laughs> hands, like it was like my hands were shaking as I was like hovering over the give access button, you mm-hmm. know? And when I finally did it, I was panicking for like 48 straight hours. But you know what? Within two weeks, I felt so much freedom. I looked back and I said, why didn't I do that like years earlier? Uh, when you're picking an assistant, Tim, what are the things that you look for? For what are some qualities? What are when you do your interview or um, however you choose them? What 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 are some things that we could look for to to know that we have a good assistant? One one of the very first things I think is actually not in the assistant, but in ourselves. So I was speaking at an event um, in Canada. It was our annual event. We had had it at a uh, 126-year-old castle, which was super cool. And I flew my whole team in, and we had about 50 or 60 people there, I believe. And I brought Sarah up on stage. And, I mean, these entrepreneurs were from all over the United States, Canada. Someone had flown from Singapore. Someone flew from India. It was really quite a a great group. And and I said, okay, you guys, you can ask Sarah anything you want, and I have no idea what you're going to ask, and I hope it all works out. (laughs) So it's kind of a brave, (laughs) brave moment for me to just be like, you know, uh, I, I eat my own cooking, if you, if you will. Yeah. And, um, and so someone said, Sarah, what's your number one tip for getting a great assistant? And the room was silent because this is like the Sarah who has done all the things that I always talk about. And a moment went by, another moment went by. She thought about it. She thought about it. And she said, you know what? The number one key to getting a great assistant is to be a great leader. Hmm. And I think back to when I was sick. There's one question I asked myself that I think dramatically improved my ability to seek out and and retain a great assistant. When I was sick, I asked myself, I said, you know, amateur hour is over. I am no, I am done with onesie twosie, dipping my toe in just a couple hours a month with an assistant or something overseas, like forget that it's time to be a pro. And And so the question I ask myself is, what would have to be true? What would have to be true for me in my mind to make a three-year commitment to my next assistant? Now, I'm not necessarily like signing a contract. However, just kind of spiritually to make a three-year commitment, what would have to be true? And the answers that came back for me were like, well, I'd be a hell of a lot more picky about who I allowed to be my assistant. Secondly, I would do a way better job training them. And thirdly is I'd be excited to have like a weekly meeting with them to make sure that they stay on track. Like I'm stuck with this person for the next three years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So 
if there's if there is no escape hatch on this thing, what has to be true? And and so look at look look at what comes out of that, right? I realized that I was in the past I'd been basically just hiring the first one or two or three you know uh, you know applications I got I would hire that person. Nowadays, when we hire someone, we're looking at like fifty to a hundred applications for one role. Wow. Secondly, instead of taking, you know, posting something on Facebook and being like, oh, hey, does anybody have a referral or being like, oh, I'm just going to hire my like sister-in-law, right? Instead of that, I, I sat down and I said, okay, well, what is like the vetting process I would need them to go through? And so, you know, we now use um, the Colby Index. Mm-hmm. Um, we have different um, cognitive assessments. We don't use an IQ test specifically, but we have other tools. Um, we use affective assessments like personality tests. We don't use Myers-Briggs, but we have an enterprise tool version that, that is in the same ballpark. We use multiple work tests where the person is literally doing work and submitting it to us and we get to evaluate what that looks like. And we also do multiple interviews. So we are spending between 50 to hundred hours just in the process of hiring one person. And because we hire at volume, obviously we have some economies of scale. We can do it faster than that. But if I were to do it on my own, you know, as, as if I didn't have an agency that does this work for other entrepreneurs, it would take me 50 to hundred hours to find one great assistant. Yeah. And, and I can tell you, Chris, it's like the best investment because, <laughs> because there's like compound interest, just like a great investment in a piece of real estate or something that goes up over time. And it becomes just like one of the best investments of all time. Likewise, a great assistant just gets better and better and better and better over time if right. you've trained them well and if you've trained them well. It's really interesting, man, how you had this time in your life when you're really sick and you were dabbling with assistance and then you came out of it and, and you put together that um, part of your purpose or part of your your um, definition of being a successful entrepreneur is having a commitment to an assistant. What do you think the link is between your perception of being a successful entrepreneur doing amazing things and having an assistant for long term and you now having a business that employs assistance. So I think oftentimes entrepreneurs um, uh, can, can powerfully serve the world by solving a problem for themselves and then turning around and offering that same help at scale to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I think is a really powerful guideline that I live by is to let demand drive decision making. And there was just so much demand for this role that I just built a business around it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't born, you know, back in the eighties saying, Hey, when I grow up, I want to have a hiring company. I didn't. Nonetheless, it's where I've arrived and to be at service, to be at service to our entrepreneurial community in this way is incredibly powerful the same way that I am at service to my assistant. Yes. Theoretically on our org chart, she is below me Mm -hmm. for sure. Nonetheless, I almost look at it as, as flipped in a lot of ways where, you know, I want to serve her in her life goals so that she is excited to stay with us as long as possible. Um, Richard Branson is such a great quote. And don't take me word for word on this, but he said something to the effect of, 
train people, train your people so they could get a job anywhere. Treat your people so they'll never leave. I like that. And oh, so powerful, right? And and I think that that deep down commitment to myself and my journey and my deep down commitment to my assistant's journey is so powerful because we as human beings are all on this planet walking our own respective journey and we are connected. And and so super powerful moment came probably in the first year or so that Sarah's working for me. She sent me a text message and it was a picture and she was in the backyard of her of her home and at the time she's living in Indiana and there was her laptop in the foreground. There was her kids playing in the background and her message to me simply said, Tim, this is why I help you build your dream is because you helped me build mine. Wow. That's great, man. One more question and we'll let you go, buddy. Um, the difference between the six figure and a seven figure tactics that you use regarding an assistant. Does that question make sense? Sure. So I think part of it is timing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my first assistant too soon because I didn't know how to turn my assistant from a cost center into a profit center. If if you've got an assistant that is 17, 18, 19, 20 dollars an hour, which to me is the best bang for the buck, you'll get the best talent at the best price in that 17 to 20 dollar an hour range hiring someone in the United States or Canada. So that's another tip right there. Um, and if you don't have a way, if you don't have a path in your mind to how you're going to generate new revenue with the new time that you get freed up, it's probably too early to get an assistant. And so when someone has 50,000, $60,000, $70,000 of sales, they probably don't have enough happening in the business just yet to get an assistant. On the other hand, if someone has $150,000 in sales, Oftentimes they've got enough traction that they either have enough demand coming in or they have an opportunity to create demand for new sales. So in my case, I created new demand by simply going to my current customers and saying, hey, would you like to buy more? Um, And so in that case, it's, you know, oftentimes the stage of that business when you're in the six figure range is about marketing, sales and product development. And so if you're an entrepreneur in that space, it makes sense that your entrepreneur, that your assistant rather would help you in that way. So, you know, your assistant might for all intents and purposes become kind of like a marketing assistant and a customer service assistant doing those kinds of tasks for you. Whereas when you're further along, when you're up in the high six figures into the seven figures, your assistant might be doing a lot more like internal work inside of the business. So stuff like helping plan the company retreat or helping to, helping you to round up the financial documents so that you can get everything into your accountant um, on time. So that's definitely the progression Sarah's had in my company. And, 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 and why she's able to operate at such a high level is very much related to the fact that I've made a long-term investment in her. Our annual event last year um, was in San Diego this time. And Sarah, I gave her a $31,000 budget to work with to book the room, the AV, the pens, the lanyards, the booklets, everything. And she came within 1.6% of budget. (laughs) She didn't sign up originally to be an event planner, yet she's able to do that because she's just been with me for a long time. Yeah, makes sense. 
Tim, that's an awesome podcast. Thank you so much for your tips and your tricks and all your wisdom. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tim. If the listeners want to reach out to you and learn more about what's going on, where's the best place they can do that at? So I've got a whole toolbox of great delegation and assistant related tools at greatassistant.com forward slash toolbox. Again, that's greatassistant.com forward slash toolbox. And of course, our contact information is at greatassistant.com. Really appreciate you having me here today. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tim. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there. See you guys on the next episode and goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining the show. We wanted to remind you about our Get Shit Done one-on-one productivity coaching that we recently just launched. What we do is work with you to create big business goals that are absolutely game changers. We make a plan together and put you in our productivity hacking system that helps you stay on target. Each week, you get a call with yours truly about what steps to take for the following week. Some say it's like a year of productivity in just three months. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching. The Business Method dot com forward slash coaching.